Hope is something that we really need right now. We're in a time right now where sometimes people seem to be a little hopeless, a little lackluster, and I just want to inspire you guys today that we have such a great hope, a hope in Jesus. So I'm just going to start out by a little uh, imagery thing that I came up with. I just want you guys to picture yourselves in a sailboat. Now you're on this sailboat and there's absolutely no wind. I know that's hard to believe when you live in Lethbridge, especially with what's going on out there, but absolutely no wind. And you want to get somewhere and you get this great idea and you're like, if I could just blow hard enough, maybe I'll get this sailboat to move, right? So you fill your lungs with as much air as you can and you blow out as hard as you can against that sail and much to your disappointment, it just kind of barely moves and you're like, man, I'm not going anywhere. This is an image of us trying to live our lives on our own. The sailboat represents our lives. And our attempt at blowing really hard represents the futility to trying to control the direction that our lives take. We all like to have control. We want to have control of circumstances and the things around us. And sometimes we try to control just a little too much. No matter how much effort or control you put in, there's always going to be unknown variables. We know this, right? Unfortunately, we live in a world and things just happen. Sometimes life's hard. Circumstances can happen to us. Sometimes people will do things to us that aren't really nice. Things just happen. We experience situations that hurt us and that are beyond our control. And then maybe we feel a little hopeless. But I want to encourage you today that there is hope. I'm here to tell you that even though there is not enough air in our lungs to make that ship move, there is still hope. If you're in that same sailboat and all of a sudden the winds pick up, You're able to use that force of the driving wind and direct yourself wherever you want to go in that ship. And you can get to your destination. The driving force is not coming from you. It's coming from something so much greater, right? Too often we try to be the wind in our own sails. We do. We try to take everything under our own control, and that's not the way God made us. We need to allow God to be the wind. God should be the driving force in our lives. If our hope does not come from the Lord, then our hope is futile. You will be left feeling hopeless time and time again if you're trying to do it all on your own. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just invite you right now, God. I invite your spirit to move today. I invite your spirit to move in the hearts and minds and prepare the minds of people, the hearts of people to hear this word today. Let anything that's not of you just fall away this morning, God. And may we truly hear a word from you today, God. Amen. So last week, Pastor Doug kicked off this series titled, A King is Born. And I'm titling my message today, Hope is Alive. When Jesus was born, he brought with him a great hope. The birth of Jesus, it was prophesied hundreds of years before his birth. This created an expectation and an anticipation of this great king who would come and save the Israelites from their persecution. And even though we picture baby Jesus in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothing with the shepherds and the wise men, and he didn't make a noise and everything was just so cute and perfect, make no mistake, he came as a king. That's why the wise men came to worship. We see this in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. Where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. We see that they came to worship a king. They recognized this. They were told this by God. 
prophesied scriptures hundreds of years before. Most of what is recorded of the life of Jesus, there's his birth, but then it skips ahead. And most of it takes place over three years. We call this the ministry of Jesus. Just three years to take 12 men and turn the world upside down. The ministry of Jesus was so effective because Jesus had purpose. He lived his life on this earth with purpose, and he had laser focus on accomplishing it. This is the time of year we set aside to celebrate Jesus coming into the world. And we have this hope because Jesus came. There's no other reason. So I want to look at some reasons this morning why. Why Jesus came to earth. Why did he have to come? Why did he choose to come? And this will give us hope as followers today. So my first point is that Jesus came to raise us up. We read in John chapter 6, verses 38 to 40. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This scripture is full of hope. Oftentimes, we try to bring Jesus down to our own level. We can do that. Our motive sometimes in doing this might be to justify the way we're living our lives. Maybe it doesn't quite line up with the teachings of Jesus. It doesn't quite line up with the word of God, so we we bring Jesus down a little bit. And we knock him down a few pegs and we say, it's okay. It's okay. Like, Scripture is not, I don't know, completely accurate. But we see in this verse that Jesus says he didn't come to lower it down, but he came to bring us up. He didn't want to lose anything the Father had given him. It goes back last week when Pastor Doug was speaking about how Jesus came in grace and he came in truth. And if we're so focused on that grace, we may miss out on the truth. Throughout the ministry of Jesus, he was dropping truth bombs all over the place. He didn't hold back. He came in truth, right? He was convicting people. He was causing them to leave their old way of life. Leave everything behind. He went and he called these fishermen. He says, hey, throw down your nets. Let's go fish for people. And they're like, okay, just going to give up all my livelihood, all my source of income and everything, and I'm going to follow you. He convicted people. He challenged people and he caused their lives to turn around. Not everyone responded in that way, though. Many people who started out following Jesus, those who were called his disciples, they fell away because of the conviction of his teachings, because they couldn't handle the truth. In John chapter 6, verses 60 to 66, when many of the disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come through me unless it is granted by the Father. After this, many, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. I think this is something that we don't preach on very often. right? We, we, we talk about Jesus coming and people listen to his words and they're all inspired and they get healed, and and their lives are turned around. But some people that heard the words of Jesus, it was a little too much. It was a little too much truth, a little too much conviction. And I love how he just flat out asked these people, like, 
Is this message too hard for you? Am I convicting you? Do you take offense at this? Imagine if I just stopped in the middle of my preaching and I called one of you out. I'm like, does this offend you right now? And follow it up, I say, that's because you don't believe? And this is what Jesus is doing. But he comes in all authority, right? He's the Son of God. Fully God, fully man. So he can make these statements and these convictions. And then that's when we have a decision. Right? We heard that song this morning. I've decided to follow Jesus. It is our choice. But we're presented with all the facts. And sometimes the choice is too hard. Sometimes we don't want to go all in. And then we just bring Jesus down again, like I said. And we're one foot in and one foot out. Do you take offense at this? It just, it just blows me away. Every time I read it, I'm like, Jesus is just like, does this offend you? It's because you don't believe. It's like, wow. This is where the rubber meets the road. A true test, if you're placing Jesus in the highest place in your life, if you're having him be king over your heart, is your response to the truth of the gospel. What is your response going to be? And if you're offended and you dismiss the teachings, then you're not subjecting yourself to the king. But if you are able to take the spoken word in the spirit and in truth and you allow it to change you from the inside out, then you're going to experience more of Jesus. You're going to have an authentic relationship and you will endure the testings that this life brings. That's the hope. Jesus said he came to do the work of the Father and lose nothing of what the Father had given him. This is how Jesus could be both fully God and fully man. Because Jesus didn't compromise on the truth. This is why Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to heaven. There's no other way. And this brings me to my second reason why Jesus came. Number two, Jesus came to save us from our sins. We know this. John three sixteen, right? Let's look at Luke chapter 5, 29 to 32. And Levi made him a great feast in this house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at the disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call the right not to call the I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Not the righteous, but sinners. This interaction between the Pharisees and Jesus, it takes place when Matthew, also known as Levi, becomes one of Jesus' disciples. He's a tax collector. He's believed to have written the book of Matthew. It's an amazing story. And Jesus, Jesus makes it very clear that part of his mission was calling sinners to repentance. Calling sinners. Jesus said he did not come to call the righteous when he was talking to the Pharisees. I think he could have easily said, I did not come to call the self-righteous. Don't you think he could have said that with these Pharisees? Pharisees were always letting people around them know that we're way better. They were under this very heavy religious spirit, trying to keep the law and maintain the law. And they felt like they were the only ones who could do it perfectly. And other people didn't measure up. And they didn't associate with certain people because of this. And one of those people were tax collectors. And the time that Jesus came in, tax collectors, they were like the scum of the earth. Nobody wanted to hang out with them. They were corrupt, thieves, liars, and they were to be avoided at all cost. And we have people like that in our society today, right? People that are, are to be avoided at all cost. But Jesus, he breaks onto the scene and he starts hanging out with tax collectors. It's more than just Levi. There's recorded incidents that Jesus hangs out with tax collectors. And 
he's making them his disciples. And this rubs the Pharisees the wrong way. The Pharisees tried to question the integrity of Jesus and being like, how can you hang out with unclean people? How can you associate with these low-down, dirty, rotten thieves? But like always, Jesus turns it around on them. And he tells this parable, and I love this. It's found in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Do you catch that? Trusted in themselves that they were righteous. That's self-righteous. And treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Pretty, pretty good guy. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. When Jesus tells this parable and and we read through it, it's no wonder he hung out with tax collectors. He hangs out with people who recognize the sin in their lives and who truly need him, making them his disciples, right? God... He says, all you have to do is acknowledge you are a sinner and ask for his mercy and he will forgive you. True repentance. Jesus came to save us from our sins, but we need to be open and honest enough about our sins and to say, here I am, God, I'm a sinner. I need you. You're the only one who can take these sins away from myself. No other way but through Jesus. Third reason why Jesus came. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus is not just a king. Jesus is the king of kings. This is because Jesus is not only the one who rules, but Jesus subjects himself to the same standards that he asked his subjects to follow. No other king in all of history has done that. No leader, no politician, right? Could you imagine if we followed politicians who held themselves to the same standards that they expect of us? But that is why Jesus is the king of kings. Jesus truly lives a do-what-I-say-and-do-what-I-do lifestyle. This is what sets Jesus apart from all other authorities. It's easy to say the right thing. We can all say the right thing. We can all point out other people's problems. We can all say what other people are doing wrong. Tell them how to live their lives better. But it is much more difficult to live it out. To actually act and do it yourself. Jesus fulfilled the laws by upholding all of them. The law that came in place through Moses was impossible to follow. It was rule after rule after rule after rule. And even the Pharisees themselves could not uphold all these rules. Nobody could. Nobody was perfect enough. And they just kept falling short. And this is why God's people, they're always falling away. That's the Old Testament. It's the story of God's people falling away and coming back. 
And he sends a king, and he sends prophets, and he tries to, re- he sends Moses, right, to set his people free, and he's trying to connect with his people, trying to get back with his people, but he can't do it. God cannot fix what Adam broke in the Garden of Eden without sending his one and only son. There is no other way to fix it, no other way to repair that relationship, no other way that we could actually experience a relationship with God except through Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life, free from sin, a life that we can never live out. And then Jesus was crucified and suffered a death that we deserved because of our sin. The sacrifice Jesus paid for all of our sins, this is how he fulfilled the law why he said, I didn't come to abolish it, but I came to fulfill it. He lived that life. He fulfilled the law. Doesn't that sound like a king that you want to follow? A king that will go into battle and even die for the lowest member of his kingdom? That's what Jesus does for us. He fights for us. No matter how bad you are, how lost you are, how far gone you are, Jesus paid the price for you. We all serve somebody. I personally believe Jesus is the best person to be subject under. The only one who has the authority to condemn us, that same person chose instead to forgive us. That's a powerful message. That's the the message of Christmas right there. Out of all the Gospels, I believe the one that represents Jesus coming to earth in a really good way is the Gospel of John. There's no shepherds. There's no wise men. There's nothing, no angels singing, hark the herald angels sing. But it really, it just hits on this idea that Jesus came and and why he came and how he came as king. And it all starts at the beginning, like the very beginning before the earth was created. So let's just read through that Christmas story here. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was not in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who was at the father's side, He has made him known. Such a wonderful image of Jesus coming to earth. I love this imagery because it shows Jesus coming as light in the darkness. And you just picture this world full 
of sin and evil and dark. And you can even picture that in our world today. You see it. You see the darkness. You see the evil. And yet Jesus is in us, and he, and he comes, and you come into a room, and it lights up. It's great imagery. This is also what truth does. It takes things that are hidden, and it brings them into the light. I love that whoever believes in the name is given the right to become a child of God. We're given the right to be a child of God. It's a right to join the royal lineage. Jesus did not only come as king to rule, but he came to make a way for us to be part of that family. He wants us to rule along with him. Even thousands of years later, Jesus is still seeking. Through the Holy Spirit, souls are being stirred up. The ground is being tailed. And as followers of Jesus, we have the privilege of reaching people for Jesus Christ. That is our God-given right. We're on the lookout, adopting new believers into the family, bringing them into the royal lineage. Being a child of God is our right. It's our God-given right. I'll repeat it again. Like it's, it's our right to be a child of God. Satan will try to deceive us. He's going to try to lie to you and say you're not worthy enough to be a son of the Most High God, a daughter of the Most High God. To call Jesus not only Savior and Lord and King, but friend and brother. That's, that's crazy, like the right we have. I believe through the Holy Spirit that souls can be stirred up. The ground is being tilled, like I said. The invitation, it's open to absolutely everyone. No one is excluded to be part of this family. We see again in this passage that Jesus came in grace and truth. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It also says full of grace and truth. Like there's so much grace here. It's full, it's filled, it's running over. It's like when you fill a cup and it just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. The grace Jesus has for you will never run out. It also says grace upon grace. That means there's layers of grace. There's, there's the first grace and then there's more grace and grace and grace and grace and grace. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's a promise. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, the never-ending, reckless love of God. God is chasing after you relentlessly. He is pursuing you constantly. The will of the Father is to be in a relationship with you. You often heard it said, if, if it was only you on this earth, Jesus still would have come. He still would have died just for you. That's how important you are to God the Father. He loves you more than anything. God loves you. That is your hope. Don't be deceived. God sent his son to make a way. A king was born and then a king was crucified. All for us, the word became flesh. Had to become flesh in order to be put to death. We need to understand that this all happens because the word is alive. And the story doesn't end there because after the king was crucified, the king rose up from the grave and Jesus ascended into heaven and he left behind the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is here and the Spirit can move. And I believe the Spirit will move if we're open to it. And we're just, we're just in the, that Spirit, in that truth. It will move. Not by might, not by power. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. Not by might, not by power. It goes back to that imagery of the sailboat. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit. It doesn't move by us forcing it. It doesn't move by us trying harder, digging deeper. It is by the Spirit of God. 
As the Spirit of God wants to move, the Spirit of God will move. There's no containing the Holy Spirit, right? It's just, it's so full. It's so abundant. It's so overwhelming. As children of God, we have the same Spirit inside us that raised Jesus from the dead. We have dominion on this earth. We're royalty. God's given us dominion. It's time for us to start acting like it. So why did Jesus come? Jesus came to raise us up. Jesus came to save us from our sins. And Jesus came to fulfill the law. We have hope. We have hope that Jesus is coming back again because that is also promised in Scripture. The same Scripture that the Israelites had hope in that their Messiah would come and the way he was born in a manger. We have hope again that Jesus will come a second time. But he'll be coming riding on the clouds. He will be coming in power, in might. And he comes to raise us up to his level. Just like he came the first time, we have hope he's coming again. And he will be a light in the darkness because we have that spirit inside us. We have hope of overcoming the trials that we face in this world. And that is the greatest hope of all. That no matter what happens in this outside world, that does not dictate how we feel inside. That is where the power comes from. That is where your hope in something that's greater, like that wind blowing that sailboat, that's where you can have true force, true direction, and get to the destination, the place where God called you to be, that place of authority, that place of reaching people, that place where you're content, that place where there could be like a war going on around you, and yet you are at peace. That is what God is calling us into. And the reason why we have this hope is because a king is born and a king is alive. Our hope is alive in Jesus today. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for this message. I just pray that you would be over the hearts and minds of the people here today. I just pray that your spirit would come, God, and even take this word and just make it into what you have for every individual, what they're needing to hear, just to get that hope. You came for peace, love, joy, and hope. That's the season. That's what we're remembering uh, this time of year, God. And your hope does not fail. Your hope will endure. God, I want to pray for the people here today that perhaps are struggling in life. God, perhaps the things that are around them is just too much. Uh, and they're allowing the circumstances of their lives to bring them down, God. For those people, I just want to pray a blessing over you that your spirit would be lifted. That God would touch your spirit in such a way and just raise you up. That he would let you know that you're not lost. You're not forgotten. But you are chosen. You are chosen to be a child of the Most High God. Jesus came to this earth to be king also to bring us up with him. It's too easy to get depressed. It's too easy to get down. It's too easy to let the anxieties and fears just drag us down. It's, it's too easy to talk about those things. So instead, God, I just ask that we would choose to talk about Jesus. We would choose to talk about the light in the darkness. And we would choose today as a church at City Light to honor that name and just to be all about Jesus. And instead of taking our eyes on ourselves, we would look out into that world that is full of darkness and we would go out and we would be the light and we would reach people, God, 
We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, thank you that you've given us dominion over that. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just want to pray with anyone today who hasn't made that decision to be part of the family. Or maybe you're not sure if you made that decision. Maybe you're just not living a life. Maybe you've tried to justify Jesus and brought him down to your level. If that's you here today, I want to invite you to say this prayer with me right now just to rededicate your life or come to Jesus for the first time. Just repeat this prayer after me if that's you. Dear Jesus, I know I am a sinner and I know only you can take away the sin of my life. Thank you for coming to this earth and dying for my sins. I ask for you to make my heart your home. I give my life to you and I choose to follow your ways all the days my life. Thank you, Jesus.